Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Manufacturing Matters podcast. My name is Jimmy Carroll. I'm the Vice President of Operations for Tech B2B Marketing. I have the pleasure of being joined here today by Megan Kennelly, Head of Global Marketing for German Bionic, and my colleague, Amanda Del Buno. Megan, thanks so much for taking the time today. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I could just start, it off, start us off here by asking you about what, what German Bionic does and what you do there. Sure. So German Bionic actually started from a research project over in Germany that was aimed at finding a solution to help mitigate injuries for people that were working and having lower back injuries. So the first exoskeleton was basically born from that and turned into a company because they saw such a need in the industrial space to actually prevent um, injuries. I think a lot of people are familiar with exoskeletons when it comes to the rehabilitation side, so post-injury, but we're sort of on the other side where we are trying to prevent those injuries. So the way we sort of differentiate ourselves in the exoskeleton market is we're focused on the lower back and we're an active system, which means that we use motors to not only give additional posture support in doing those activities, but also giving additional power for people. And my role at the company is to basically get the word out. Um, so as head of marketing, making sure that we're educating the market on this solution. I think exoskeletons, still a little bit of a niche and somewhat of a futuristic topic. So trying to just sort of not dumb it down, but educate the market that these things exist, they're out there and they're helping to solve a lot of challenges. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Sorry. They, I know there's a lot of different applications for these as well. How do you see um, German Bionics products fitting into manufacturing and logistics and warehouses? Yeah, so actually, instead of it fitting, it was actually designed um, to be in there. So that was our first industry that we really focused on was logistics. And we saw a lot of heavy, repetitive movements. And that's really where it's the number one cause of lower back injuries. So the company, after it was sort of solved for the generic reason of helping the lower back, they saw that the industry that needed that most was logistics. And then from that came manufacturing warehouses, because a lot of those tasks are kind of similar in nature where it's heavy, it's repetitive. I think a lot of times um, you see people that when they're having to do lifts, we usually say from like the shoulder down or down to the shoulder height, that's really where no matter the use case, this type of product can help sort of mitigate those injuries and add support. Yeah. So that's interesting, right? So when you think about technology in the realm of the manufacturing space, at least for what we do. Um, you think of robots, you think of a number of different robots. You think of cobots that might be working um, at high speeds or industrial robots that are helping with automotive assembly or even um, autonomous mobile robots moving things around the factory floor. This is kind of a different kind of robot. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting people in this space, a lot of smart people in this space. Um, and most of them talk about their different, their different uh, technologies and topics and things like that on LinkedIn, right? So there's a lot of cool spirited debates on LinkedIn. Uh, one of them, a common one I've seen is, is this idea of what is a robot? Uh, it goes beyond maybe a technical definition of what is a robot. And, and I even read about one today and it was really fascinating. In your case, uh, German Bionic, you know, if you go to the website, it says it's a robotics firm, but it's probably not the first type of robot that one would think of, at least me. Uh, sure. When you're thinking of robots in the industrial space, 
but it doesn't mean it's not a robot. Um, so to those out there that would argue that these aren't robots, what would you say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you first hear the term robot, you think of, oh, this humanoid type of thing that's going to take over the world. But when you kind of dumb it down into what is a robot, I mean, I even Googled the definition today. And a lot of what I came up with was it's basically a machine that is autonomously working, doing a task, and it's being driven by a control system. So when you look at it in those terms, we've kind of fit that mold. I mean, we are using a, a machine. We have motors on either side. It's being controlled by a control system. But where we differ a little bit is that human element. So I like to kind of call it like a hybrid automation solution because not only is it using the robotics and the control system, but it's also using the human as the guide as well. So the control system is sure it's programmed to move and be able to support, but it's following the human. So it's kind of that hybrid element where the human is uh, basically driving the system to work based off of their mobile movements. So we kind of look at it from a sense of the hip is really going to be that core part. And if you look at it from like an elbow perspective, if your elbow is that core part or your hip and you're doing the bending over, your movements coming back up are triggering the sensors in the robotic system to come back up to that upright position. So it's kind of like a a mold between the two. So is it 100% a robot in what you might think? Maybe not if that's not your terms, but I think when you look at it from the basic perspective, I think we fit that mold. Yeah, fair enough. I, and I have to ask this, and, I, and, and admittedly, it's not a hard-hitting question, um, but I, I need to ask it for my own curiosity. Yeah. Um, have you tried one on, and, and where can I try one on? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've tried it on multiple times. Um, I'm in the suit a lot. We do a lot of videos. I go to a lot of our, our trade shows. It's very cool. Um, I will say a lot of people are, when the first time they put it on, they're a little hesitant because it's like, whoa, is this thing going to like control my movements? Yeah. And that's why I always like to mention whether it's in conversation or if I'm at a trade show, actually putting a suit on someone, you're always in control. So the device is programmed. That control system is programmed for you to be the leader and the sensors are following your movements. So if you were doing a lift and you stopped halfway, the device is never going to pull you all the way back to that upright position because it's going to stop where you stop. So if you do a quick lift, it's going to follow you. If you do a slower lift, we're just coming up slowly. It's going to adjust and follow that pattern. So it's not scary. Um, it's actually really cool. Um, but yeah, for trying it on really wherever. So from like a basic perspective, you can come see us at any of our shows. But what we also do is we come on site because really it's about getting the users engaged in it and making sure that the use case fits. So I mentioned like heavy repetitive lifts. We want to make sure that it's actually going to be a solution that's actually going to bring value to you. So we like to go on site and just sort of see the different use cases, make sure the weights are heavy enough. Sometimes people send us videos that we can sort of get a sense of the use case to see if it's actually going to work. But yeah, yeah you're welcome to come try it anytime. Well, yeah, I appreciate that. I had to ask. And, and kind of the part two of that question is um, my first thought was um, it looks heavy. And then I realized that it, look, it goes around your legs too. So uh, these things are probably designed to save your back, not hurt it. Which is a, Correct. That's yeah. The case, right. So it does. Um, the misconception is that it's adding a lot of weight 
onto your shoulders because you do wear it like a backpack, but it's actually like a hiking backpack where it sits on your hips. So all of the weight that the device is adding is sitting on your hips. So it's actually pretty ergonomic and I usually don't feel the weight of it. And I think the benefits of what it's bringing me, not only is it helping to bring the weight up of what you're lifting, but it's also helping to bring your body weight up. So your chest has um, some weight to it too, when you're bending over and coming back up. So the device is also compensating for that additional load that it has on your body. Okay. Very cool. And in line with that though, I was kind of curious. I know you have a couple of different styles of them. Um, can you kind of tell me about, you know, is there different preferences for smaller frames or larger frames? I know the weight is accommodated, but um, you know, how do, how do organizations that would use this, do they, implement a fleet of them with with different options for different people or are they we do have uh, the core unit which is basically like that back section that goes around the hips is the core like device but we have different harnesses and vests and those come in different sizes and the leg straps that you see where it attaches to the thigh we also have that in different sizes so what's neat about it is yes people are outfitting like fleets of them in their um, warehouses, but every single person doesn't need an individual device. They can share the device. So we typically recommend that every person has their own chest piece and leg straps. And then what you do is you can go up and grab any device that's available and you have a pin. So when you first do your onboarding, you get a pin, the device will actually take some measurements of your body and do have you do a couple lifts. It'll see how you move and twist. And it'll learn from that. And then it also can learn some of the settings that you put in. So you can adjust the device from 0% support to 100% support from coming up and also 0 to 100% on the resistance coming back down. So people have personal preferences too. I typically like about 70% support when I'm coming up and about 20 or 30% when I'm coming down. So it'll remember those preferences with your pin so that every time you're not having to readjust to it. So that kind of makes me need to have maybe one or two devices if you don't have many use cases in your operations, or if you have a fleet of them, it's not gonna be like, oh, this is my designated device. I need this every single day. You can go and grab one, put your um, chest connection to it fairly easy and go about your day. Okay. Well, I think that kind of like leads nicely into my next question. Cause usually when we're talking about um, AI and robotics, we're talking about like deep learning, machine learning to help robots, you know, locate and pick parts with a high level of accuracy. Um, in the case of German Bionic, is that kind of where you bring in the AI component or, um, you know, when you, what does AI mean for you guys? Yeah. So when we look at the AI, it's more about the human element of it. So I talked about when someone does that first onboarding and they get their pin, there's sort of like a tutorial that it has you go through. And what it's doing in that is it's learning your body. So people have different torques when they're coming back up and different ways of maybe they're more of like a forward leaner when they're doing um, lifts. So it's learning about your body movements. So the AI from a basic sense is learning from the body every single time you put that pin in to adjust the support to make it more comfortable for the user. So that's sort of one side of it, but the second side to it, where we see a lot more possibilities of continuing to evolve the AI is really from the like ergonomic warning perspective. So the device is actually learning from your body and it can give you notifications about when it starts to notice that your 
your lifts are becoming more improper, if you will. So if you're starting to twist with your lifts and having poor ergonomic positions, the device is going to recognize that. And if it becomes a trend, it can give you almost, we call it like a smart break recommendation. So it's going to say like, without being annoying, like maybe something on the screen say like, now might be a good time to take a break because we're starting to notice that you're having some issues. Um, we want to mitigate, mitigate any future injuries. The device is going to protect you, but still we're starting to notice that something might be wrong. So maybe now is a good time to take a break. What's that mean? So if, you, if it's got those capabilities, obviously that's very cool. Um, and a feature that, that I wouldn't have known about by just reading through your website, but what, um, what's that mean for like on, does it require a specialized onboard processing, like a specialized computer? Or do you have like a standard industrial computer on it or? Yeah, so there's a drive system um, in it that I am not smart enough to know how it works. Um, but yeah, we have far, far talented um, engineers that work to develop these algorithms to start learning. And they're basically giving like baselines to fatigue levels. So they're starting to learn from, okay, if these are the studies that we're doing, this is some of the patterns that we're starting to see that re that relate to like a fatigue level, they can start and match those with the trends that they're seeing on the actual device and what the human is, is performing and match those up so that the AI can learn from both of them and start to trigger certain warnings to the users. Okay, so that's interesting. A couple follow-up questions there. Can a, is there some sort of dashboard like where somebody can go online and look at their profile later and say like, oh, I get really tired at certain points of the day. Maybe I should schedule, you know, lunch now or something. Yeah. So it's actually um, twofold. So from a company perspective, all of our devices are connected. So I mentioned some of those sensors that help with the motors being able to follow the user. There's also sensors in there that collect what we call telematic data. So that's giving certain data on how many lifts you did how much weight was compensated for? How many steps did you take throughout the day? So a lot of that ergonomic data is presented on what we call our Germabionic IO dashboard. And that's giving companies insights into different groups of workers and their performance and efficiency. They can start seeing, okay, at three o'clock, we're having more lifting throughout the day than we are at the, for the morning hours. Maybe there's ways that I can shift around the workers so that it's spread out a little bit more mm. evenly or worker a is doing a lot of walking when it comes to this task is there different ways that i can move the environment or the warehouse around so that it's becoming more efficient for that worker so there's plenty of insights that they can see from that sort of um, telematic information and that's just another piece that we're always trying to evolve and give insights for the company and then on the flip side we're actually developing an app for the user so that they can actually um, feel engaged in what they're doing as well. So there is a dashboard on the actual device, but being able to go home on your app and say, wow, I lifted the equivalent of 75 elephants today. Like, yeah. isn't that cool, honey? Or like earning certain gamification awards or, or something like that so that it's not looked at as uh, a device that like your work just wants you to wear and be more productive. Like we are engaged in actually making sure that you're safe and happy at work. Yeah. I fully see it as a tool to, uh, to, uh, compete with your coworkers, right. To see who could do more. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, challenges or. 
Yeah, it seems like um, in the right hands, that data could help, you know, improve operational efficiency too, you know, kind Absolutely. of schedule, put people in certain spots or only have them work certain times or things like that. Um, to that end, right, uh, what's the battery life on one of these? So we actually use a Makita drill battery that you might be familiar with, so don't reinvent the wheel. Uh, so the battery works about four to six hours, depending on how high you have that compensation level, but it's hot swappable. So you can take one of the batteries out, put a new one in, keep going without having to like take the suit off or charge it. You just take the battery out, throw it on the charger, and we usually recommend that people have a couple extra batteries lying around if they need it. But hopefully people will be taking a break within four to six hours anyways, so that they can charge it. Sure, that makes sense. Um, kind of along those lines, right? So it, when we talk when, on this podcast and, and in the space in general, industrial automation technologies, they're, they're obviously increasingly important, uh, especially over the last couple of years, right? It highlights the importance when it comes to things like the labor shortage and COVID-19 disruptions and even like um, political tensions years back, right? With, with supply chain. Um, so, you know, so... A lot of the a lot of the talk comes around these jobs that are dull, dirty, and dangerous that people are are just having a hard time filling. In your case, it's it's a very different kind of it's a very different example of robots helping with work for, workforce issues, right? But but it is. So can can you talk about how your technology may help when it comes to the labor shortage? Like for example, um, has such a product ever attracted new talent for customers of yours? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going back like. When you look at it from a, a traditional standpoint, manual labor is not sexy, right? I mean, it's the job that traditionally society doesn't look up to, but we need these people to have our worlds be sustainable and to live the lives that we've come to enjoy. And what we're trying to do is keep people in those jobs and keep them safe. So yes, I think having additional technology is helpful for not only keeping people in the job, um, making sure that their like retention is high, but it also attracts new people. Would you want to work for a company that is doing nothing for their employee? Or would you rather work for a company that is investing in technology that's going to keep you safe? I mean, so that just from a standpoint of looking from job to job, I think is definitely an, an attraction to get more staff. But it also, I think something that we've looked at is the inclusion factor as well. So because of this device, you're able to open up opportunities to people that might not traditionally be in a manual labor field. So females or the older generations, maybe yeah. not your first choice, but with this kind of device, it levels the playing field where they're getting more assistance in being able to do those lifts. So you're opening up the talent pool, the, the amount of people that can apply to these jobs. So I think there's twofold. It's attracting people, but it's also keeping them happy. And it sort of has that HR element too of investing back into your workplace. And sometimes automation solutions are expensive or there's areas of the operation that the automation systems just aren't there yet. So I think having that sort of element where you can keep people in the job and keep their um, creativity and their quick, quick action, I think there's benefit to that. And that's what we see. So we sort of see it as like a tech for good and in, in keeping people employed. Yeah. Make, it makes sense to me. I figured that would be the case. Absolutely. Um, do you have any examples um, in terms of ROI, even if it's like an anecdotal example 
um, regarding operational efficiency improvements or um, things like that? Yeah. So I think some of the basic ones that we see every day are reduction in sick days. Um, a lot of people take sick days, even just from pure pain uh, from the job. We've seen reduction in injury rates. So we're seeing less workers' comp claims. Um, but aside from that, from a productivity perspective, I think we've also heard back from customers where they're either gaining their productivity because of the lessons that they're learning from that data that we talked about, but they're also seeing more of a steady output in their productivity. Because if you think about it, if you're doing lifting all day long, which is the case in some of these environments, you're going to get tired towards the end of the day and your productivity is probably going to veer off towards the end of that day. So a lot of companies have actually said, I'm not interested in seeing like the productivity rise, but if I can keep that productivity steady throughout the day, especially in the afternoon, that right there is a gain to me anyways. That makes sense. Um, Megan, uh, kind of most of the questions that I had in mind, it, in in terms of like thinking of this manufacturing space and and the industrial automation space, are there any questions or any topics that we haven't touched on today that, that you feel we might've missed? Um, Maybe like, what's something that, you know, what's something that we didn't talk about today that uh, a potential customer or even end user should know? Sure. So I think like when it comes to wondering where this device can be used, maybe I can touch on some of the areas that we see like the most common. Uh, palletizing is a big one that we see that a lot of times automation systems are not there. We have a customer up in Canada who just did an entire refresh of their warehouse, but there was still a gap when they were taking things off of the truck and putting mm -hmm. it on that automated conveyor system. So that's another example. I think when it comes to like stocking shelves or if you're doing um, picking for order distribution, that's another one where maybe they're picking odd size, different things that are having to take it and put them into boxes and then palletize them. Um, we're seeing a lot of food processing uh, where they're having to carry big bags of grain or big bags of sugar that are maybe a little too delicate to be handled by an automated system. So they still need uh, a workforce in there. So those are some of the areas that I think are of interest. I think one thing we didn't talk about too was Lifting is definitely one of the key uh, challenges that we fit, but there's also an element of prolonged bending that we see that people don't always think of as like top of mind. So when you think about it, if you're on like a conveyor system or if you're fixing something and you're bent over all day, that's also putting strain on your lower back. So we have that feature that you can toggle the resistance when you're going down all the way up. And it's basically like you're hanging in a harness all day. So the, the harness and the system is basically stopping you from going down and that's taking the strain off your back. So those are also some use cases where I think people in food manufacturing, where they're having to bend over and sort and put um, certain elements into boxes or, or crates that I think the device can also be helpful. Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense too. Uh, Amanda, anything else from your end? I Think. No, I don't think so. It sounds really interesting and be really cool to uh, try one out. I agree with Jimmy. We'll have to. Yes, we'll have to get time to I, I come by and see what it's like. Yeah, we'd love to show you. I do hope that uh, we'll run into you at a trade show at some point. Um, if anybody wants to learn more, I believe the website's germanbionics.com. 
Um, and if anybody has questions for us, would like to reach out to us or Megan, you can visit manufacturing-matters.com. We'd be happy to answer any questions. Megan, thanks so much for taking the time today. Everyone that's yeah, watching or will watch in the future. Thank you so much and, and uh, have a great day.